because it's not just the evening gown. You have to think that there's your fitness trainer. There's your food that you're eating and eating very healthy can be very expensive. Your skincare, you have your hair care, you have your nails, you have your teeth. So all the exterior, now you have to find a swimsuit. You have your fitness wear, your evening gown, your interview outfit. So this is just your wardrobe and your preparation, not including your entry fee or your hotel accommodations or your spray tan. There's just a lot that goes into it. So you really do have to be a businesswoman in that regards of being like, how can I finance this endeavor to compete? Welcome to the Business of Beauty podcast, where we talk money with people who work in beauty-based industries. Today, I'm joined by longtime friend, actress, pageant girly, Candice Cruz. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I want to get right into the pageant stuff. Yeah, let's because go. Because that is a world that I know so little about. And I think yeah. if, if you're not actually in the industry, mm. most people probably don't know about it. Yeah. Myself, I, I just watched Toddlers and Tiaras and was obsessed <laughs> with it growing up. So that's my knowledge uh, my knowledge of pageants yeah so um candace has won miss teen united states yep. mm-hmm. and you also won miss teen globe united no, states so um i've been doing pageants for almost 10 years so i won miss teen united states that so was actually my biggest pageant the first pageant i actually won um and then i was also miss california globe united states and then just competed in pageants i competed in the america system the usa system so anyone that is familiar with pageants There is a very specific um, branding of sorts of each of these individual companies um, that girls compete in. And then anyone that doesn't, the best way to describe it is like, it's all a sport, but one's basketball, one's baseball. You know what I mean? Or you could even be like the Lakers versus the Clippers type of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then what are some of the other big pageants you've competed in their their full names yeah so i competed in uh miss kentucky america um so that was going uh, a trajectory to miss america and wow. so i won preliminary pageants two years in a row and went to compete at miss kentucky um and then i ended up coming out to california and competed for miss california usa two years and um from there i got asked to also compete for miss globe united states so i ended up going as miss california and um the miss teen united states was before i did the miss america organization and miss usa organization and miss kentucky usa i competed for as well that's quite the resume (laughs) (laughs) so uh at what age did you start and who or what got you interested in doing pageants yeah so i started actually a lot later um a lot of people assume toddlers and tiaras they're automatically are like oh you've been in pageants your entire life i didn't really start until i was about 18 ish um i'd always wanted to do pageants when i was little like i did the county fair pageants yeah (laughs) um but i wasn't it was before puberty and we didn't look like kids look like now i very much like awkward braces frizzy hair really didn't know what was going on in life so when i was in high school um i actually won my high school homecoming queen um, which was really cool experience and from there one of my advisors in school came up to me um and she was like there's this scholarship opportunity um for anyone that's a homecoming queen um throughout the states throughout the united states and you can compete and then go on for your state and go to miss homecoming queen or miss america's homecoming queen something like that and so i ended up getting to go to the liberty bowl and go in the halftime show and then compete for miss kentucky homecoming queen or whatever it was and i didn't win but it was my first like actual like okay let's try this pageant thing for real and i got first runner up 
And nice. the winner came up to me afterwards and was like, you're really good at this. You should try it. And simultaneously, her mother went to my mother and was like, she's really good at this. You should try it. So on a whim and for fun, my mom and I went to in Kentucky pageantry is like it is a sport, yeah, um, which sure. is where I, I grew up. And so uh, we during the summertime would travel around to different counties and compete in these county fair pageants. And so it's very much if you've ever seen the movie Beautiful um, with um, what is her name? She, it's a great movie. It was one of my favorite movies. And that's actually one of the reasons why I always wanted to do pageants when because I, I saw that movie. And you just travel around to different counties and you compete and you have your bathing suit, you have your interview, you have your evening gown. And um, that first summer I um, placed in every single pageant. I didn't win any, wow. but I placed in every single one. So my mom and I were like, okay, this is great. And so I started doing research and ended up finding Miss Kentucky Teen United States online. And so I applied. And from there, there weren't enough girls that were competing that year. And the director was like, I can't you know, put on this pageant. I went through everyone's applications. You are my top pick out of the application. So I'd like to send you to go compete in Miss Teen United States in Las Vegas. Oh my God. And they just so picked you on the spot like they that? They just picked just me through my application and wow. through everything. I just submit like a headshot and, you know, do everything to actually be able to compete. And so she ended up paying my way to go. And my mom and I and my stepdad went to Las Vegas, had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> um, I got my first pageant coach because I was like, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this right. And so I saved my money. Um, I worked for it. Um, I had side jobs while I was in college and I was a freshman in college when this was happening. Um, and the summer between my freshman year and sophomore year of college um, was when I went to Las Vegas. And then somehow won this whole thing oh and that gosh. was the first pageant that I'd ever won and then from there it just kind of I was 19 when I won Miss wow. United States so yeah so yeah that is quite a bit later in life to yeah. get really really into it yeah um yeah. I thought that maybe your parents had pushed you to do it when you no. were younger or something like that they pushed this my was, mom to do it yeah this was like oh your mom to compete no for or your mom me to, to, let, to you. let me compete yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like mom I want to do this and she's like oh my god Okay, and so we did it. I mean, we rhinestoned everything. My evening gun I won Miss Teen United States in was $250. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah. That was one of my questions I wanted to ask you is how much yeah. people usually spend on dresses. I mean, we're talking like thousands, right? Oh, like, yeah. It, like it, wedding dress prices type of thing. Insane. I competed in a gown that was $7,000 at one point. Wow. Yeah. So, and I mean, how, there's ranges. How'd you get your hands on a $7,000 dress? How does that work? Um, so, a lot of it comes down to, you know, sponsorships. Um, I always say a lot, of, a lot to the girls that I work with now or that I've coached or I've, you know, worked with while they're getting ready to compete or whatnot and some of them are oddly enough I'm not that old out of the industry like I quote unquote retired at like 27 28 I'm 32 now so I'm only like four years out of the game so some of these girls that I've known for years are still competing so it's a very interesting dynamic of like some of these girls that I've competed against are now still competing and I'm I'm out of it um but I always call us, we were the influencers before influencers existed. Like, it, it, we did. We had Facebook when I was competing for Miss Teen United States. We didn't have Instagram. There was no nothing, because this is 2009, 2010. Like, we had just had Twitter. Instagram was brand, brand new. Like, I think my first post was actually post Miss Teen United States. So, yeah, oh. it was after. And so we would go around and it, it it was such a big deal in that industry to learn how to become your own business 
person, like to be able to go around and reach out to businesses and say, I'd love to represent your company. Um, I'm competing in this pageant. Also, you have program books. Um, so you can buy an ad in the program book. And so let's say I'm giving arbitrary numbers, but let's say the program book ad is $250. You know, I would sell it to you for 500 and that $250 would go towards me to go towards mm. the pageant. So um, a lot of that, and even if companies weren't willing to, you know, definitely sponsor towards things, then they could be like, I'll give you product. Or if you would, you know, put it on Facebook or advertise for me. So we were doing this even before influencers were doing their thing. Wow. We would go to car lots. We would have car washes. We would have bake sales. Any innovative way to make money um, to finance this. Because it's not just the evening gown. You have to think that there's everything like there's your fitness trainer there's your food that you're eating and eating very healthy can be very expensive um you have you know your skincare you have your hair care you have your nails you have your teeth so all the exterior now you have to find a swimsuit some swimsuits you can find for fairly cheap my first pageant again when we went to missing united states we did it my first swimsuit was venus swimwear and we altered it um, so like $30 for the bottom, $30 for the top easy, but I've seen people spend up to $500 on a swimsuit Oh my god! to walk on stage and never get in the water. Mind yeah. you, um, you know, and then you have your, if you're a teenager, you have your fitness wear and this isn't like, you're just, you got to make sure it looks cute and you have the colors and all the things matching. And then you have your evening gown. And then one of the most parts, important parts of pageants that a lot of people don't talk about is the interview portion. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time that the judge sees you. So your interview outfit needs to look very professional. And sometimes people will get custom interview outfits. So this is just your wardrobe and your preparation, not including your entry fee to compete in said pageant or your hotel accommodations or your you know, everything else, your spray tan, there's just a lot that goes into it. So you really do have to be a businesswoman in that regards of being like, how can I finance this endeavor um, to compete as well? Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say when you were describing, you know, doing the car washes and going around store to store, mm -hmm. asking people to sponsor you. It's like you're literally running your own business. Yeah. And I'm sure you have met girls who, mm -hmm. you know, have been blessed and have grandparents or parents who of course. front it all. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, I think every girl has different scenarios. Some of them, I've met women that are very successful in their career and they finance it all themselves. It's a hobby. It's something that's really fun for them. Sometimes it's parents. Sometimes, you know, you reach out to all your family members or sometimes one company wants to, to cover all of it for you. Yeah. I've also had that scenario where, you know, there was a company that was like, we'll pay for all of it for you as long as you advertise for us. So wow. it's kind of a little bit different ways. scenario. Yeah. Yeah. For every lots person. of ways to do it. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, your first dress was $250. You wore mm -hmm. a $7,000 dress. That's mm -hmm. the most expensive dress you wore. Yes. And, yeah. uh, so the swimsuits, you said you've seen ones that are $500. Let's talk about the interview outfits. What do you, what do you typically wear for the interview outfits? So uh, it varies obviously right now. Um, you know, you want to be fashion forward. Like you're, you want to be on the precipice, especially with now that we do have social media, you want to make sure that it matches what's trending, but still very professional. I always tell girls like their stage makeup and their stage presentation. And then I'm going to be five, like this distance from the person that I'm doing an interview with. So I'm not going to have oh, like, no. you know, face makeup that I'm going to be wearing on stage. I still want to look fresh and very poised. Um, and 
the best way to describe it is like if you go to a press junket, you know, if you see things in entertainment, like a lot of girls are wearing jumpsuits now or doing pantsuits that are really trendy and cute, but tailored. Um, no, not too much cleavage, um, not too short. Like it is very much a job interview. Um, so it, it is different per girl. Um, you're not going to wear like a club dress to go into an interview by any means. Right. So, so a yeah. little bit more trendy but professional yes and i also tell a lot of my girls as well is that this is a job interview if you win miss california usa you win miss arizona america you win whatever or even miss usa or miss universe um the job is to represent the company and represent it beautifully um and to go around and to do service and to speak on behalf of the company speak on behalf of your platform speak on behalf of yourself and so the first time that you walk into that interview you want to make sure that you're presenting yourself as such they want to see you already ready being like i could crown her tomorrow and she could go out the next day and like do a wonderful job and so i always tell people to go in with that appearance like what is it that you're branding yourself and i think that's a lot of you know the transition of oh i'm just gonna do a pageant no what is your brand who are you and what are you representing and what are you saying about yourself the moment that you walk in the door or you walk on stage yeah. yeah. So how do you prepare for those types of interview questions? Um, a lot of this, just a lot of talking. Um, everyone has their different approaches. There's a lot of coaches um, in the industry. I've met a lot of wonderful coaches. A lot of them are my friends, have been my coaches, my mentors. And again, it's it's knowing yourself. I always talk about, there's a lot of misconceptions around pageants. Um, and that's a big conversation topic of like, do pageants have a purpose now? What purpose do they serve? And I think it's all about empowerment for women, really giving them a platform to better themselves. I'm never, when I was competing, I'm never competing against the next girl. I'm never competing against you. I'm competing against myself to become better. And so what are my opinions? What are my standpoints? What do I stand for? What are my values? What are all of these things when I go into an interview that I want to share? And then I always give girls, you know, you go in with a mission and you're driving the car. Those judges are there and they're just as nervous as you are. So making sure that you kind of carry that conversation. So practicing a lot and practicing in different time constraints because different pageants have different time constraints for your interview. Um, and just really getting good at having a conversation, having a full circle and not talking. Yes off the cliff either being like okay well where did we even get to so. yeah coming to a hard stop i uh -huh. when i watch those you know pageants on tv yeah. it's like sometimes the judge will ask a question mm -hmm. and then they will answer it in some capacity but it's like they they put their own message in there mm -hmm. however the fr the question is phrased they'll eventually make it so they get to say what they need to say mm -hmm. do you find that to be true like That's, you kind of go in as you said with what you want to say mm -hmm. and find a way to throw that in there with the questions asked in my opinion that's the best type of possible answer um because again they're wanting to get to know you i don't know how to have world peace if we knew how to world, have world peace then like we'd have it you know so <laughs> they always ask them they're like, like oh, so yeah, generic peace i'm like um, everybody love each other like that. Shouldn't that be the golden rule? Yeah. Um, but you only have 30 seconds most of the time on those onstage questions, which is what majority people see. Yeah. Um, there's an interview prior to even being on stage. Um, for anyone that watches TV, there's been weeks or days worth of preparation and competition already leading up to the moment that you see on TV. Um, so the 30 seconds, uh, you really do have to kind of hone in specifically. And again, remember that 
we all have different viewpoints in the world. So you don't want to offend, but you also still want to be integral to who you are as a person. And I think that's also one of the reasons why a lot of people throw in their own personal information is because it is my opinion. Like you're asking my opinion about the question. So I'm not... I'm not a lawmaker. I can't tell you how we're going to solve all these things, but I'm going to give you my opinion. And also if I have something to share about my experience, I'm going to throw that in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of experience in this and uh, would make a great coach. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So in your experience with uh, using coaches yourself, Mm -hmm. um, can you break down some numbers for me? Like how much does it cost for a session? How much to kind of have them on a retainer type of thing? Yeah. Would you hire them for just one pageant or are they on your roster forever like how does that work i really suggest any girl that wants to compete in a pageant to have a coach that's devoted to her not necessarily devoted because of course coaches it is a business so of course they're going to have multiple clients um a good coach is going to tailor to each girl though because every girl is different um you're going to find a good coach that's going to empower you to be the best version of yourself to really get to know you and see the bigger puzzle piece and help you put the puzzle pieces together um, and really guide you and help you find that right fitness person. They're going to help you with your photos. They're going to help you with all these other things. Um, pricing wise is a little bit harder to discuss because there are varying different prices. And also depends on per state. Like yeah. California is a little bit more expensive. New York is going to be a little bit more expensive because you have specific states that are very, very competitive in pageants. Even Texas, for example, our Miss Universe currently was Miss Texas. So we haven't had a Miss USA win Miss Universe since Olivia Colpo um, in 2012. Wow. And so this is the first time that USA's won. Um, and so these are certain states that the prices are going to be a little bit more expensive. Can we have like a ballpark for uh, a California coach for like a major pageant, let's per say? Per hour, I would say you're looking at about at least 150 150 an hour. At least. Wow. About. Now that's that's give or take. I'm sure you can find some that are a little bit less around 75, but um, I wouldn't say anything less than 75 is something I've seen before. Yeah. Um, and then it, it also depends on their accreditations. You know, I have some friends that, you know, won very large pageants. They've they've competed, they've won. So that then you also have it's like you have you know coaches that are brand new their price is gonna be a little bit different if you have someone that's worked with multiple girls that have gone on to win they obviously have the secret sauce that's going to get you to the next step or um helps it click so again i i the only reason why i'm not giving specific amounts is because i don't want it to infringe upon someone else's um business and and lowball but i've seen anywhere from 150 up to 300 an hour okay so and you can buy in packages you can buy in retainers you can buy different like you know everybody has it set up differently where some people only want to work with a coach for interview yeah that would be a different price than working with someone for walk and your walks are different as well yes i mean you come from modeling so i'm sure you know in that regards i i can say from a modeling perspective Mm -hmm. that pageant walks and model runway walks are so different and they're i have done some runway shows where um can I call them pageant girls? Yeah. Is that fine? Yeah. Pageant girls will come and do like LA Fashion Week or something like mm-hmm. that. And they walk so differently. Yeah. Completely different walks. So um, is it essential to get a coach at least initially to learn how to do that specific pageant walk? Because it's so different than what I would initially think to do. I would say 1000%. That's that's just me though. Um, the difference between me competing without a coach and me competing with a coach is like night and day. Wow. Like night and day. Because we can only be so introspective on who we are eventually you get the skills and of course you can you know go without a coach you you're just fine-tuning things um but at the beginning yeah because i mean even knowing the history of pageantry like um 
Catriona, who was Miss Universe, I want to say 2018, I think. Um, but she was from the Philippines. And if you watch, her walk became a trademark. It was called the Lava Walk. Oh. And so she has videos of where she first started, where it's just like, it was fine. But then between there and to her signature walk is just astronomically different. Wow. Um, and knowing where to hold your your presentation of like your shoulders should be back your head should be up like you're guiding from your hips in certain ones and then swimsuits you're going to guide with a different way and like then there's a different walk for active wear for teens where it's just a little bit more bouncy yeah. and then your evening gun walk for a teen is very different and so also the big transition of coming from the teen organization into miss is that you're cutesy as a teen yeah when you're a miss you're leading from a very different place. You are poised, you're elegant, but you're also having that sexy, fun vibe. And I think it it circles back even to what I was saying of knowing who you are as a brand, because that's also going to influence your walk. How are you walking? What are your facial reactions while you're walking? I can't do a resting face. I look very angry. You're a smile girly I on, have the, to smile, on the runway or whatever you call I, it. If I smile, it's like a different smile. There's like a sultry smile versus like a having a fun smile. And then if I'm doing a straight face, it's not for long. Yeah. It's not for long because otherwise they're like, is she okay? Yeah. Does Just a quick bathroom. Is she all right? I don't know. <laughs> when you were 18, 19, first starting to mm -hmm. compete, was it nerve wracking to have to be in a swimsuit on stage? Like at that young age, showing your body to a crowd of people? You know, it's, it's so interesting because everything has shifted so much since when I first competed. I know that that sounds crazy, but like, what was that? 15 years ago now? Almost 2009. Where are we at? 14 years ago. Yeah. So it was a very different time where we were wearing bathing suits as teens. Um, we were, I mean, even as junior teens, you were having a bathing suit, which I think would never fly nowadays. Like, So now that doesn't happen. No, you're in active wear. You are oh. in a sports bra and like um, workout shorts or workout pants, which I think when it first shifted, there was such an uproar. We were like, well, why can't we? But then I look at it now as an adult and I'm like, absolutely you should be in active wear no one should be wearing a bathing suit on stage under the age of 17 yeah in my opinion so if people want to come for me go for it but um i but at the time i'm also shifting because it didn't bother me i didn't think anything of it yeah. i i never had this misconception or this concept that i was being sexualized i never ever saw it that way um I never saw it in a way of it being inappropriate. Um, I made sure that it was, you know, still very conservative in that regards. So to answer your question, no, I never, I never felt like that at all. Um, I think it's just the day and age and everything in time has shifted a lot. Um, I do appreciate now that we're in active wear for girls. I think it's a lot more comfortable for them too. And it gives them a nice, it gives them more time to be teenagers. Yeah, and have fun exactly. and then go into miss. I always tell girls that are teen, I'm like, don't rush it. You will get to miss. I promise you. But like, you don't get to wear all this cutesy fun stuff yeah. when you're a miss. Exactly. So Let that transition happen. It will happen naturally. naturally. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That bikini stuff from a young age is so funny. It's very similar to the modeling industry yeah. where, I mean, I started at 16, which, or I guess whatever, 15 and a half or something, yeah. almost 16. Um, which I thought was very young, mm -hmm. but I know plenty of girls who started at 12, 14, whatever. Yeah. And back then, um, you did digitals in a swimwear yeah. or in a swimsuit. Um, now they give you the option to do a tank top and jeans oh, or okay. swimsuit, whatever right. you want type of thing, mm -hmm. especially when you're younger mm -hmm. and just submitting yourself to all these agencies. But it is kind of crazy to look back now that we have the perspective that we do mm -hmm. to say, 
you know, we were just showing our, I mean, I know you said yours was more conservative, right. but we were showing a lot of skin for that age. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of crazy. Do you notice any other changes happening in the pageant world? Like, um, I know that Victoria's Secret, for example, like completely rebranded and they're incorporating more like plus size girls and women of all different colors and things like that. Do you see that transition happening in the pageant world or not as much? I do. I mean, I think that, you know, it's always a transition in general. Um, but I think that there's so much more conversation on body positivity um, in the industry, which I'm very proud of, especially because, you know, we have had so many beautiful women of color that have won the pageant and it's because they deserved it 1000%. And I think that that's such a huge deal. And I've listened to them speak about, you know, representation and seeing themselves on stage and being that representation for other girls. So I think that we're seeing so much more diversity across the plane in pageantry. And then also same with body positivity, more curvaceous. I think the conversation now isn't about how skinny can you be? It's how fit and healthy can you be? Again, it's showing the best version of yourself. And then we've also had some beautiful women that were transgender that have gone on to compete now for Miss USA. Oh, wow. um, Miss Nevada two years ago was actually um, one of the first transgender women to compete at Miss USA. Stunning and beautiful woman. Um, I've heard wonderful things. I've never actually met her in person, but I've heard wonderful things about her. And then Miss Spain was also the first transgender woman to actually compete at Miss Universe a few years ago. Um, so we are making such big strides in the industry to really be more inclusive and to really let every every person that wants to compete um, to compete in that yeah. regards. Yeah, I think the best rule of thumb for anybody competing is be confident in who you are because when you come out of it only one girl's winning yeah. so if you try to fit into a mold and you don't win that's gonna be a disappointment for yourself if you're 1000 percent authentic to who you are and what you're presenting if you don't win you're still gonna be proud at the end of it all and be yeah. like you know what i gave it my all but i didn't fit what they were looking for this year Absolutely. So, yeah, we've been talking about that in uh, quite a few of these episodes that I've been yeah. recording is that beauty is a lot less about how you actually look, but it's how you hold yourself mm -hmm. and maybe how you style yourself to feel most comfortable and mm -hmm. most confident. And yeah, you can walk into a room and everyone will think you're beautiful because of how you hold yourself, yeah. you know? So it's yeah. more about that, as you're saying, than 1, just how you look yeah. on paper. And to at a pageant every girl's gonna be beautiful yeah every girl every girl that is there is going to look amazing <laughs> yeah. they've all been working so hard to be there that it's like it comes down to really that light inside versus right. anything else all right so yeah. uh want to dive a little bit more into the numbers yeah. can you Let's tell us how much it costs to enter a pageant i know that probably varies a ton but mm -hmm. whatever some ballpark numbers and then mm -hmm. how does the prize situation work yeah between teen and miss and all that jazz sure and i will disclaim i am not part of any of these organizations so i don't want um these numbers to be like i do not work on behalf of the miss usa organization or america organization or california usa for any of that matter so i can only speak on like what i've paid um I, I will do that. So because I know that time has shifted and prices have shifted. So when I competed for Miss California USA, I entered at $1,600. So that was my entry level uh, to compete at Miss California USA. Now, when I competed for Miss Kentucky, it was, I want to say 1200 Okay. Um, and how so, many girls are there? So California, when I competed, my last year was 2017. There was 120 of us for Miss 
they're making some good money on that. Well, or does it go towards the prize fund or what? So that's the bigger point is that if you win majority of the time, um, the pageant organization will pay for your way to go to Miss USA. Now that number, I don't know. I don't know how much it costs to go to Miss USA because you do every girl that enters to compete from your state has to pay an entry fee to Miss USA. So your state will cover that. So think of it like a jackpot, right? It's like yeah. a lottery. So you're all paying to enter into the pageant, right? Um, you're all paying X amount. We'll use the amount that I paid, $1,600. Um, we're all paying into that. Now, there's also the production costs. Like if you want to have a really big production, you have the stage, you have the lighting, you have the MCs, you have, right. you know, all of that stuff to put on the pageant. You also, my hotel was part of that. So now you've got to pay for a hotel for every single girl. They're sharing rooms, but then you have that. You also have the food that you're getting provided. Um, and then whoever wins, they end up getting to go to Miss USA for free. They also get, you know, a prize package, which varies per organization and per directorship. So, you know, when I competed for Miss Kentucky America, for example, um, if I would have won that pageant, I would have gotten a Lexus for the year and I would have been paid by the state a salary. And so I would have been working for the agriculture department, traveling around the state, speaking on their behalf. Um, oh. And then for California, America, which I never competed in, um, I believe that they used to work for pistachios. I don't know if they're still working for them anymore, um, but it's a full time job. Yeah. Um, if you're working for Miss Kentucky America, for America, for example. And do they um, pay you like a full time job? They do. I don't know how much they were making back in the day. Um, cause the last time I competed for Kentucky America was 2012. Um, but it was a salary and you're, you're getting your car and your, your gas covered and then your, your entry fee to go to Miss America covered and, and Miss America is a whole nother beast. We only talked about swimsuit and evening got an interview right. for Miss America. Now you have a talent. Now you also have your on stage interview plus your actual interview. So your wardrobe just goes up astronomically yeah. for America. And so you have all of these extra levels, but with the Miss America, you get scholarship money. So my friend that won Miss Kentucky in 2012, her entire college was covered, like paid for oh, wow. in full. Yeah. Amazing. So you do get like, and then I know that Miss USA, whoever wins does get a salary, a six-figure salary if you win Miss USA. So there are oh. prize packages and incentives. And so the girl that won Miss USA last year ended up working with Porsche Cayenne. So she got a Porsche Cayenne. She has an apartment on Wilshire Boulevard. Um, if you win Miss USA, and these are all listed on the website and they vary. So disclaimer as well, if you're looking to compete in any of these pageants, really check out what the prize package is, the investment that goes into it. Um, but those are the rough numbers per state that I'm aware of. But again, New York is different. There was a year that Miss California, there were 300 girls that competed for Miss California USA. Wow. After Alyssa Campanella won Miss USA the year 300. later. 300. I mean, At that point, I was like, I don't even know how you do this. Like, well, there's no way. That's a five. Most pageants are three hours. That okay. would have been a five to six hour pageant. Oh, yeah. Insane. That's too long. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I was going to ask about the scholarship money. Mm -hmm. um, you do have to use that prize money for a college scholarship. You're yes. not allowed to pocket the money and go spend it wherever no. you want. No. So it has to go through that. Um, I'm sure that with things shifting nowadays where a lot of women are deciding to go alternative routes and want to go, go entrepreneurship rather than college, um, I feel like you could probably... I don't know if you could negotiate or what that would go towards, but it is grant money. Um, and then each state is a little bit different because certain scholarships would go towards certain universities. So it kind of puts you a little bit in a, like a, you have to go to certain places or they'll re reimburse for certain universities as well. Okay. Yeah. So when you won 
Miss Kentucky United States. That's what it's called, right? So it was Miss Kentucky Miss Teen, Teen United States. Yeah. Miss Kentucky Teen United States. Sometimes long, those are long titles. Sometimes those are a mouthful. I sometimes <laughs> I'm like, is that my title? I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, what was your prize? So mine actually was a little bit different. I my prize was just to go to Vegas to oh. cover that. So I didn't really. Some of the prize packages were. Um, what did I get for Kentucky Teen United States? It wasn't a money prize package. I'll say that I did not get money in that regards. Um, it covered my hotel, my travel, and the entry fee. Okay. And that was it. There are sponsors. So a lot of times a prize package includes like, you know, working with a specific hair and makeup artist, getting your hair taken care of for the year, getting your teeth taken care of for the year, getting your getting a car, getting, you know, getting jewelry. Um, there's different prize packages outside of that that do equate to a monetary value um, versus like a straight out like here's your money, here's your check. Um it's not necessarily how it works as much anymore unless you do win a really large pageant where you are, it is an employee based situation where you are working. You know, I've heard rumors if you're a Miss America, you're working 350 days a year, 340 days a year. Oh my God. Like you're working a lot on behalf of the organization. You are obviously taken care of. You have chaperones that are with you. You have managers that are with you. It's not like these girls are just flying by the seat of their pants. It is very similar to what the modeling industry would be to, to my knowledge, I never was in that industry, but, um, or entertainment for that matter, where you have a manager, you have an agent, you have all these things that are with you moving around, um, in that regards. So, um, Sorry for all the pageant questions. We no, will be yeah. moving into other stuff. Yeah, I swear. But um, I hope I'm giving you good answers. Oh, it's it's amazing. I, like I said, I am loving this because it's just an industry that I personally know just about nothing about. Right. So I'm finding it so interesting, and I think everyone else will too. Um, what do those 350 days of employment post, you know, winning that major pageant? What do those look like? Um, again, it's it's different per organization. So Miss America is known specifically more. There's four points of the crown, which I actually want to pull them up because I can't remember them anymore. But yes. there are specific points of the crown that they use as their um, mantra of sorts. So the four points of the crown. So if you look at the Miss America crown and also um, for anyone that's different for pageantry as well as that each crown is a symbol of the, the pageant organization. Um, so they're um very synonymous with the brand so miss usa um if you're a state title holder you've probably seen where it's there's straight lines up and down their stars across and it kind of looks like a halo and it's very large for miss america they're the ones that sit right on top of their head okay um so versus one goes in the front one right here also they give you horrible headaches so i can they, imagine Aren't they, they so leave heavy? a dent in your head oh like i would permanently have a dent when i was wearing my tr in my head because it was like and you're wearing something on your head it's for a really long time so there's um the four points of the crown for miss america are service style scholarship and success um is what the four points represent and they've shifted a little bit but that's for the job itself for miss america is more focused on philanthropy um really focusing on academia um, that type of thing. So scholarship, service, success, style, like you're trying to um, encompass all four of those. And then obviously there's just appearances, going to red carpet events, going to speak on behalf of the organization, speaking a lot to children, going to a lot of schools, going to a lot of veterans hospitals, going to um, 
you know, work with your platform and really do service, get your hands dirty. Um, and that's also what Miss World does as well. She, that's a different organization. Priyanka Chopra won that one. So a lot of famous women have competed in pageants and gone on to have very successful oh, careers. Yeah. Priyanka. Priyanka Chopra was, was Miss World 2000. Oh, um, wow. Olivia Culpo was Miss Universe yeah, in 2012. Um, Barbara Walters was in pageantry. Um, Oprah did pageantry. Halle Berry was first runner-up at Miss USA. Like, the list goes on. Eva Longoria came to L.A. because she won a pageant, and they paid for her way to come to L.A. Um, And then she came out here and worked, so pretty great stepping stone for a lot of different careers exactly exactly can you write off those expenses that you pay for coaching hair makeup whatever else off your taxes no you cannot um unless i will not i am not a tax advisor so i would (laughs) highly suggest no one write that off um the only thing that you can write off is any type of um donation of sorts so like if you're doing some type of donation um it depends obviously on monetary value talk, talk to a tax person because there's a certain amount that you have to hit a threshold for it to even you know go towards your taxes um but no unless you are an llc and this is your sole proprietary business of being a pageant woman and i wouldn't even suggest that um no you cannot write them off it is considered a hobby of sorts now a if hobby. you win and you have a salary then that's different um yeah. you know it's like if you're an actor and you're writing things off for your taxes, which that even changed in the last few years um, of like what's actually write offable um, and what's not. Because um, it used to be where you could write off everything. You could do your hair, your nails, all that stuff, because that is your business. But I don't think you can actually do that anymore. I don't know. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, in the modeling world, you can pretty much write it all off. Yeah, no, pageantry, so, you cannot. I unless gotcha. that's considered your business and you're getting an income, a monetary income from it. So yeah. you're not typically getting an income from pageants, so you couldn't write any of that off. I see. Mm-mm. Okay, so with all your experience in the pageant world, that must yes. have helped you transition to your hosting and your um, acting mm-hmm. and all that. Do you think that was a pretty natural transition for you? Yes and no. Um, I, I think yes in the regards of interview 1000%. Like I could talk about nothing for an hour if you wanted me to just because of my training um as you probably gathered from this podcast um so that really did help for hosting my degrees in journalism so I had also the structure of that from the University of Kentucky and um with acting in general you know you know how to I always say acting in the job that I'm pursuing is pageantry without a crown and without a sash like if you're going to the Emmys and the Oscars like it's pageantry. Yeah. Um, I get to pick a pretty gown. I get to real look nice and get to walk down a red carpet and be on stage. Um, so yes, in that regards. And I think um, just really getting to know who I am now in the way that it didn't help. And I will say this and be very open because this is a personal experience is that coming from pageants and in the day and age that I was competing in pageants and going into hosting, there was this level of having to undo this pageant patty persona that I had had for so long, specifically in Kentucky. Coming to California was a little bit more lax. Like again, when we're talking state to state, every state has a different personality when it comes to a pageant girl and what their their style is, what their presentation is, because every state is a very different personality in and of itself. Um, so there was a little bit more of a, a transition from Kentucky to California. And then it, even figuring out like, what is my voice? In pageants, you have to be a lot more PC. Um, because you are talking to the masses, but with hosting, I had to figure out what my voice was. 
Like, I think that's why I encourage so many, so many women now going into pageants to do what I had to retroactively kind of work on in that regards of being like, what do I like really, really want? Or, or is this person who I really am anymore in the realm of acting to connect that turning on? Who are you in this moment? Yeah. When you are pageant or a host or a reporter or an actor. Yeah. yeah throw acting in there too because in acting you're playing not to yourself no nope. so and your personality time, doesn't matter it's bizarre right? majority of the roles that i go out for are not who i am at really? all what kind of roles do you typically get sent out for um can i curse on this yeah a bitch you can, you can, you can say anything on this um, podcast. i always get the bitch um i get the one that like can she have tattoos? Does she have piercings? Um, I've gotten, uh, you know, a con artist. I've gotten someone that was like torturing my uncle in an audition. I've oh, had um, a lot of detectives, a lot of like law stuff, you know, the stereotypical, those types of roles. Um, but the movie that I was in always Lola, I ended up actually playing the best friend. Um, but originally we wanted me to have tattoos. I mean, constraints of time, we couldn't do it, um, with the costuming and stuff just because we were having a quick turnaround and with tattoos, you have to take them all off every day and then put them back on. And it was just too much for the character. So we kind of added a little bit more of a, um, a fierceness to her in different ways. Uh, but she was not the friendliest. Um, she's definitely the bitch. She smokes, um, troubled teen type of vibe. Um, that has a lot of angst and emotion underneath. Um, and I get the crier a lot because I can cry on cue, which oh. is fun. Okay, well, that's a good skill to have. Yeah. <laughs> so do you like being yourself as in your Candace, you're interviewing people, oh, you're okay. your own person, or do you prefer to do like character work? It's really hard because it's like choosing between your children. Like, <laughs> no, that's a really weird analogy. Sorry. It's like choosing between your two favorite shirts. We'll do that instead. Um, but... I love both. Yeah. I feel like I, it, it, it goes back to like being a multidimensional person. Like I, when I first came to LA, they were like, pick a lane. And I'm like, but I don't want to pick a lane. And so now we're in a day and age where multi hyphenates are the thing. Yeah. Um, as long as you have a clear cut version of what that hyphenate is. Um, Cause otherwise people are like, where are you going? Like you're throwing spaghetti against the wall and I don't know where it's going. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to narrow down. Cause I think, there's so much beauty in both. I think the the through line for both is telling story, mm -hmm. like telling other people's stories um, is really the construct of both. Like as an actor, I'm, I'm embodying another character and telling someone else's story. I'm using someone else's words with hosting. They're my own words, but I'm still sharing and interviewing someone else to tell their story. So it's all yeah. very much story driven. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So let's, break down the finances a little bit oh. not not your not your personal finances but just oh, in general fine. yeah <laughs> in general does hosting make more or does um tv and film acting make more uh, and, and throw commercials in there too because i know that's a very lucrative section commercials are extremely acting. lucrative and i think the the industry is changing a lot too because there's not residuals as much anymore oh, because really? we do have streaming so a lot of contracts are looking different and again i haven't had the the blessing yet to be on a big network TV show. So these are also like people sharing things with me and like just knowing the industry and having my pulse on that. Um, you can make very good money as an actor, very good money as an actor, even as just like a, an actor on a TV show, like you're making thousands per episode, like wow. a day rate of an actor in SAG, I believe is around 1200 a day. 
And if you're shooting for every day over that's, three that's months. That's just as a guest star, co-star. Now, if you're actually a series regular, like that's, you're talking thousands of dollars. And so it depends on where you're at on the call sheet. So for anyone that doesn't know, a call sheet is basically the sheet of the day per day. And then it goes down from like hierarchy. So the highest paid actor and is number one on the call sheet. And then you go down in placement. Oh, wow. Um, they just put that right on there. Well, I mean, you don't know how much money they're making. Yeah. But you know, like, I mean, if you're working with, you know, Scarlett Johansson, she's going to be number one on the call sheet. You know, Reese Witherspoon, they're going to be number one on the call sheet. Um, and then there's ways around, you know, taking. I heard through the grapevine, like with La La Land, for example, they took a lower pay and then on the back end made a percentage of the box office. So lower oh. budget films sometimes will, if the actors are really passionate about it, will take a pay cut at the beginning and then retroactively get paid back from the box office. Indie films, there's a lot of ultra low budgets now where you're not making a lot of money. Like you can do ultra low budget and your um, compensation is is your accommodations and your food and your travel. Um, sometimes it is a like your day rate is going to be like 125 to 500 a day. So there's varying. And with acting, it's really, you have to be passionate about it because you're not making mm -hmm. this thousands of dollars until you've paid your dues. Um, yeah. And your SAG dues on top of that. So you do have that as well. What and are the SAG dues? SAG dues, I believe right now are 3000 just to get in initially to get or in you initially pay every year? to get in initially and then your your membership rate changes by depending on your income of how much money you made per year as an actor okay um and you do have to be a part of the union yeah. um which we're very grateful for the union the union is thank you uh, the union is very very amazing for actors in that regards and then as for hosting you know, it, it does vary per company that you work with. I've I've made anywhere from like no money on the carpet and just doing it for exposure up to getting paid a day rate of seven fifty, up to getting, you know, a lump sum of a couple grand. So it really does vary per job. Um and what their budget is. And then that's also where agents and managers come into play because I'm at the point now where I'm like, I don't want to talk about money. Can someone yes. else talk about it for me? You're supposed to be the talent, the face. Like yes. when you have to break that barrier and start talking money, it gets very uncomfortable. It does. But yeah. I also think it is important though to know your money standpoint as an actor because you are your own business too mm -hmm. or as a host. But then negotiations and things like that, it is just something safer and and a lot of times these contracts have different things in there that I would much rather have my manager deal with where I'm like hey can you be the person that you know looks at the contract make sure that I'm protected make sure that the company is protected because you have a contract going into all of these two yeah yeah wow is it the same amount as it is in modeling you give your manager 20 percent typically um it depends on the manager most of mine most of my agencies and managers have been around 10 to 15%. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I just learned, yeah. uh, actually last year I learned, I've been in the industry for 10 years and I learned last year yeah. that I'm basically splitting my pay from a modeling shoot 60-40 yeah. um, because they take 20% from... Um, from me their uh -huh. their model that they're representing but they also take 20 percent from the client mm -hmm. so they basically get essentially 40 percent yeah and the talent 60 yeah. percent so anyways i was just gonna ask you what that looks like in the acting world i believe that it's 20 percent it depends on the contract some places but they'll do like your rate plus 
agency 10 or agency 20. So it is very similar in that regards where the agency or your representative will get a certain amount. And then every representative is different. Some people get, you know, a cut of everything that you do all in perpetuity um, or for the duration of the the run of whatever you're doing. Um, there's also, you know, if, if one particular aging, if you have multiple representatives, some will only take a cut for the job that they get you. Um, so I always encourage anyone getting into acting and hosting, make sure you read the fine print of your contract because some agencies will be like, well, we didn't get you the job, but we're your reps. So we get a percentage and you're like, oh, hold on a second. I got the job myself. Yeah. Um, so that's important. And also finding, I've been very blessed with all of my reps that they are um, very fair and want to make sure that I'm taken care of as a talent as well. They're not ever going to take anything that, you know, isn't in line with what they should be doing. You know what I mean? Not in nothing out of breach of contract by any means. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. I think, uh, usually that's the case for a lot of people but yeah. of course you hear horror stories so I, i'm sure that exists in both of our industries but well, yeah of course There's i think people get really excited when they see the bright lights and they're like oh my god you should never pay to be a part of an agency or a representative like they should be getting their compensation on my end at least you don't get compensated until i get a job right but you do have to pay for sag up front but right. SAG is separate. SAG is SAG just is as as a, as a union for an actor. Your reps should never pay for your union dues. Yeah. That's gotcha. yourself. Um, but they should never be like, well, to be a part of our agency, you have to pay $500. No. No. You should yes, never red pay. flag. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> so for people who don't know about the union, mm -hmm. can you explain what SAG is and why it's... Uh, kind of crucial that you're a part of the union sure so there's not there's three different terms so there's non-union which is majority where that's where everyone starts out so there's non-union and then there's sag eligible so what that means is that i have now completed enough jobs or been half heart lead which is that shifting in the industry as well where someone has paid for you to become union eligible because the, to get tough heart lead um if you've heard the term or have not heard the term before is basically if they can't find anyone else, you are the only person that could fulfill this job. So I'm going to pay a fee to the union to make sure that you can work because you can't work a union job if you're non-union. Got it. You can't work a SAG job unless you're union. And so you have to be something so specific and unique and a unicorn to become Taft Heart Lead or a company to pay you to become eligible so that's what happened for me is that i got eligible from a company being like we want her we will pay to get her eligible oh, we will wow. have hartley um because i had been working to get sag eligible for five years what are the requirements why is it so difficult um, i mean i know why it's so difficult yeah. but tell us why it's so difficult <laughs> i think i think it it, it it again it's shifting now because there's different constructs of like you can be an influencer and there's a certain amount of like you can have certain amount of jobs that you know can get you into the union so i definitely uh -huh. researched that um at least that. that was a talk because there were so many streaming shows like on facebook and tiktok and snapchat and all these other things that like you could put them towards union but i think there were specific eligibility requirements um so to get eligible you have to have at least three union credits so here's the catch 22, the egg before the chicken. I don't know which one you want to use, but to get a job, to get SAG credit, you have to find someone that will give you a SAG voucher. Some companies don't want to give you a SAG voucher. That used to be you could work enough background jobs that you could get 
a voucher. That's no longer a thing. Oh, I didn't know that. This is all news to me. I uh-huh. thought I thought you just worked three background jobs, get oh, your SAG worked, eligibility, and then... I worked as a background actor for like two years when I first came out here, and I never once got a SAG voucher. And I was background on a lot of very big shows and, and feature films as well. So I never... The way to get a SAG voucher as well is you have to be solely focused on. If you're background, no. But if they're going to background and I'm standing behind the lead actor for like a long enough period of time, I'm going to get a SAG voucher. So you have to have three SAG vouchers um, or you have to, again, get Taft-Hartley or you have to book a job where they're willing to have a non-union, pay to have a non-union person on it. And then you can get eligible from that. You can work once you're eligible. You can work three jobs as SAG eligible before you are a must join. So I'm still as an eligible because... Mm -hmm. I right now could book a SAG job, but I could also work a non-union job. So again, always go by the discretion of your representatives. But um, if you are still at the beginning of your career or you're still getting non-union jobs, it's better for you to be eligible because then you can work both. Yeah. We don't want to put you in a pigeonhole where you're not going to be able to make money uh, because you don't have enough credits, but you're SAG and then you're not going to end up you know, being able to work. Because um, you're also competing against better actors when you're SAG. Correct. And then there's this thing called FICOR where if you are SAG eligible and you financially cannot get jobs that are SAG, they will allow you to work non-union jobs. But you have to prove that you have to be FICOR. Yeah. Um, you are very literate in this subject. Like, <laughs> when you're around, you listen to a lot. Because yeah. these are things that you should know as an actor. Um, even as a starting actor, you should know all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and again, things are constantly shifting. It used to be where it was stagnant across the board this is the way it is and now it's like every year there's a new guideline that like but um yeah so right now you can do that and then once you become eligible once you become a must join then you pay your dues um with the to become union and then once you're union you pay different dues and then to get health insurance within sag you have to work a certain amount of hours and get a certain paycheck in order to get insurance wow they don't make it very easy on on the actors no they don't (laughs) goodness sakes it's, it's a lot you're in a couple of uh, very cutthroat industries. <laughs> yes, I am. I don't know if I'm crazy or I just love it. I think it's the love it part. So I think you have to a little bit be yes. a little crazy to to pursue things that you really, really are passionate about and loving. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, that's why I, to be honest, stop the acting is because I feel like if you want to be successful at that, you have to devote yourself. You have to love it more than anybody else. You have to, um, you know, study for hours each script that you audition for and Mm -hmm. you're going on tons of auditions well that's the job yeah that's the job is the audition is the job is it frustrating to put in that much work into each audition when i don't even know what the booking rate is uh, one in every hundred it's like a 20 percent booking maybe less than that i mean it is you have to do hundreds to end up booking one if you really think about it and a lot of very well-known actors have shared this if you ever watch like sag well they'll do they'll interview actors and a lot of famous actors have talked about you know the amount of ratio of of auditions that they've gone on in order to get it but i think you the moment that i became okay with it was when i shifted my my mindset and it's still a constant daily mindset shift of like I get to act today I get to do a voiceover audition today I get to do that it's not about the job the job is the cherry on top the job itself for me is the audition 
to constantly be working and doing what I want to in my craft. But that also means that you have to have side gigs or you have to have other forms of income until you get to that point. And I also think in general, that's important to really know what else you're passionate about because on acting jobs and hosting jobs, there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of hurry up and wait. So like, what are you doing to fill that time? What are you passionate about in other ways to bring in that, you know, that extra income? But, um, that's a great way to look at it. Just mm -hmm. thinking how blessed you are to get to do what you love yep. in Los Angeles. You know, people yeah. would kill to be able to do what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but it is, it can be a very frustrating process getting denied. How do you, how do you deal with, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I know you book a lot of stuff. So do I, but it is a world of con constant rejection. Constant how rejection. How do you deal with that? Ugh. I mean, I've been trying to to pursue this for years um, and even with pageantry there's a lot of rejection I mean yes. you, only Everything one girl done. wins only one girl wins yeah. um, maybe I should talk to my therapist about that <laughs> <laughs> about why do I pick things that only cause a rejection no I think I think it does bring you to a level of just being very appreciative of who you are as a person and realize that it's not personal I have this great story and my castmate, I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this, but um, she's extremely talented, like insanely talented actress, my God. Um, but she originally auditioned for my role. Oh. And I didn't know this until we were done shooting. We were all sitting around. We'd had a night shoot the night before, so we're like getting breakfast at like 2 p.m. And I loved my cast in this movie. Like the Always Lola cast, I'm obsessed with. Like we still are in touch and we shot in August of 2021. Like I love them dearly and they are like my family. But we were all sitting around the table and Corinne was like, I originally auditioned for Camilla. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah. And we were like, can we watch the audition tape? She nailed every point. Her audition was phenomenal. She went to callbacks, but she wasn't Camilla. That was me. There was, a, she was so much her character, Catherine. Like even when she was auditioning for Camilla, she was Catherine. So the moment that you can switch your mindset of realizing it's really not personal, mm -hmm. it's really not personal. There is an, an essence that every person gives. Like we could have the same script and I'm going to read it very differently than you read it just in general. And so, and it also comes into like, well, we've already got too many blondes, so we got to have a brunette. Like there's other things that go into it too. So the moment that I let go of that, I could have more fun. You know, Courtney Cox Arquette auditioned for Rachel originally. Oh, did she? Yeah. Wow. And then got Monica. Huh. Like, she's not Rachel. She is Monica. Yeah. But you have to, like, go through those things and just give it your all no matter what. And you never really know where it's going to take you. So with your pageant experience, your hosting experience, your acting experience, can you tell us what's on the horizon for Candace coming yeah. up? I mean, I'm always supporting my pageant girls. I love pageant women. I think that they're just so empowered and beautiful women and um, I love being on the other side of it just as much as being on stage. I never thought I'd say that, but like, it's just such a fulfilling experience to be on the other end. So I'm hoping to, you know, work in the pageant industry again in the near future. And then as for hosting, um, I do a lot of red carpets for a lot of different companies. Um, I do it for new music buzz. I do a lot of Disney carpets, which I'm very blessed to do, um, cool. which is wonderful. And then 
Um, I've done guest spots on Rotten Tomatoes. Hopefully, you know, they're a wonderful company um, to guest on that I've had the opportunity to do that. I work for NBCLX, um, a freelance as well, doing their entertainment coverage. So those are a couple of places you can see me um, in the past and hopefully in the future. And then um, as for acting, Always Lola did get acquired, which is super exciting. Um, I got my first deadline placement, which is for any actor that is like, goals it was on my vision board like if you look on my vision board like deadline is there so it's coming out this summer where i'm not sure yet so just stay tuned on that but you can always go to alwayslolafilm.com or find us online and we'll be updating it but we won five film festivals oh fantastic which was huge how about on social media pimp yourself out media (laughs) oh yes um candace r cruz so the r is my middle initial um across the board for everything i try to make it easy i'm revamping my own personal podcast called bossy bonitas that was out um years ago and now we're we're going from a duo to a solo um and it will just be me as the host but um really focusing a lot in um the latina market specifically geared towards latinas latine um individuals and a lot of tastemakers and people that are making really big waves um just in any industry across the board um that are of Latin descent. So I'm Puerto wow. Rican. That's my background um, and my father's side and having really important conversations uh, around mental health, around culture, around entertainment, anything really, um, because there's not a, there's still we're having representation, but there's still not enough. And I think that there's there's always room for more. There's enough seats at the table. Yeah. In the modeling industry, it's uh, kind of come to light that that is the least represented yes ethnicity in the modeling world yeah i think i think there's a a big um lack of representation just in my personal opinion and uh, usc annenberg actually does like um or usc does a big um media breakdown every year of the the numbers of um representation by by race and ethnic background um the asian descent south asian and um latino uh community is very underrepresented in that regards yeah and native american as well so. right yes i've heard that as well yeah. well yeah. i love that you're doing that podcast that'll be amazing yeah. i can't wait to tune in and uh i do have to leave you with the question that i end every okay. episode with give it to me which is what portion of your success do you attribute to your good looks your genetics uh luck in any way mm. and what portion do you attribute to your hard work and dedication and drive that's a really good question (laughs) that's like a pageant question isn't it great pageant question i've also gotten asked what my favorite color is are you serious yes and it was a wonderful answer and i will always attribute my win to that answer (laughs) oh that's lovely um but to answer your question your very very well thought out question how much of it is my looks my genes Hmm. i would i would say that looks do play a part I think I would be lying in that regards because I've I've been the ugly duckling, the one with the frizzy hair and the buck teeth and the braces and the unibrow and the whole shebang. Um, and so a lot of my my upbringing was more focused around intellect. I was on the academic team. I was like doing all the heady and I was I loved it. Um, but then I discovered a straightener and I got braces and, you know, figured coming of age and just, you know, kids don't look like we did back in the day. Um it's true. But but I do think that when I say looks, it's not just specifically, you know, the the aesthetic. It's when I am my most confident, I think I'm my prettiest. Mm-hmm. And I can see and even in photos of when I'm confident and when I'm not. And I think I'm I attract more 
um, opportunities from the way that I present myself when I am more confident. That's the exterior if I'm taking care of myself. So my skin looking good by eating healthy, what I'm putting into my body, what I'm putting on my body um, and how I'm presenting myself. I think looks do play a part of how you walk through this world and how people perceive you the moment that you walk into the door. We all do that. We do it on dating apps. You immediately yeah. size someone up just by what they look like. And not to say that that's good or, or bad. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, so I do attribute some of that to looks. Um, what percent would you say? Like 5%, 25% and the rest hard work? What? How much do you attribute to? Um, yeah, and, and that can also be luck just um, yeah. with how you were raised or I don't know, whatever else. Just I'd say it's a good 50, to be 50, honest 50. with you. I'd say it's about 50-50 because especially in the industry that I'm in, in acting and hosting specifically, it's like, it is a look. It does matter. Like, it is. Yeah. Do, it does matter. Like you're not casting. When we watch movies, there's a specific reason that certain people get cast in certain things because of their look. You just said that you were Camilla because you were Camilla. So yeah, it, it's like, yeah, it plays a part too. Um, and then as for hard work and determination, I think it really comes down to also what is the word I'm looking for? Tenacity and resilience. Like I think there is a nice intersection of divine timing, luck, hard work. So what's that? There's a saying where it's like hard work meets luck and it's. Yeah. Well, I know that I know the one that's like, uh, the more hard work you put in, the luckier you get type Ooh, of thing. Ooh, I like that one too. Yeah. But yeah. And, and lucky girl syndrome for anyone that's tapping into that right now. I do love that because it is like, um, I am so lucky, incredible, amazing things happen to me easily and effortlessly always. Oh, so if you have that I mindset, that. I think that that it's a daily practice. But if that happens, I think that that encompasses your whole question is like, what is the aura that you're radiating? That's going to make you more beautiful. It's going to make you more attractive. I've seen very aesthetically pleasing people that are not the nicest people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's the whole package. It's the as whole you said. package. The whole package. <laughs> well, I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. This is so much fun. Thank you for having love me. Love you always. Love you too. Signing off. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. You too.